Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, Ephesians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles this morning or your digital device, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm finishing up today a sermon series I started a few weeks ago entitled Battle Ready. We've been talking about spiritual warfare and how we can get prepared to fight our enemy in everyday life. So we've looked at who our enemy is. We're fighting spiritual forces. And the Bible's very, very plain about that. We, we talked about gearing up and having on the armor of God. And we talked about even how to put that on. And then last week, we looked at the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and how that's supposed to impact our lives. And Paul finishes up today in verse number 18, and he talks about prayer. And so I want to preach today on this subject, pray away. So we'll, we'll stand and read in just a moment. Let me, let me talk to you about prayer for just a moment. I, I saw these statistics that Pew Research done, and, and get this, more than half of Americans say they pray every day, 55% of Americans. 21% say they pray weekly or monthly. Only 23%, which is kind of a high number, say they never pray. Even those who identify as religiously unaffiliated, which means they have no religion whatsoever, get this, 20% of them pray every day. Atheists, agnostics, and no religion at all, 20% of that group, who are they praying to? I don't know, but they pray every day, 20% of it. Women are more likely to pray than men, 64% to 46% every day. Senior adults are more likely to pray than millennials. Uh, Americans age 65 and older, about 65% of them pray every day, and those under 30, about 41% pray every day. Pew Research found that 45% of Americans and 55% of Christians say they rely, get this, a lot on prayer and personal religious reflection when making major life decisions. And then when they just surveyed Christians, they found that 63% of Christians in the U.S. say praying is an, regularly is an essential part of their Christian identity. So you, you read that surveys... And you get the idea that we are praying. But here's the question I want to ask today. Are we praying the way Paul said we ought to pray? Because I'm afraid some of our praying is more of the uh, praying over our food. It's, it's saying, uh, uh, now I lay me down to sleep type prayer. Paul comes along in Ephesians 6.18. Here's what he says. We are in a battle. We are in warfare. The hosts of hell are coming at us. And we have got to learn to pray in a spiritual, enemy-defying way. So would you stand with me as we read this one verse, Ephesians 6.18, just in honor of reading God's word. Ephesians 6.18, Paul, uh, this will kind of summarize, this will finalize rather our, our teaching on spiritual warfare. Look in verse 18, here's what he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're closing out on spiritual warfare and the only offensive weapon we talked about so far, so far as the Bible. But Paul comes along and he talks about prayer in verse number 18. And I wouldn't call prayer a weapon as much as I would call it our, our supply line to, the, to our defenses in our Christian life. And Paul says that, that verse number 18, he starts off this way, that we are to be praying always. The word, the verb praying is in the present tense, and it means we ought to stay in prayer. And, and prayer can be for a specific time. But get this, prayer is meant to be done at all times. The word always in the Greek is the word kairos. And it means in a season, in an opportune time, or it means an opportunity. Or sometimes it's translated in, in secular Greek, a window of opportunity. It is a fixed and definite time. And it doesn't necessarily just say it's at a specific time, but rather it's a time space filled with all kinds of possibilities. And so Kairos characteristically meant an opportunity which, which represents the best time to do something. Get this, the moment when the circumstances are most suitable. And Paul says that we are to, Pray all the time. We are to pray it, here's what he's saying, at every opportunity. That we are to pray when, 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 when we need to pray, but we are to pray when the opportunity to pray presents itself. Praying always. And then he, that phrase says, with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit. The word prayers there is, the, is a word that could be used for conversation with God. It's the more general word used for prayer, and it's only used in reference to praying towards God. It's the sense of being immediately before him. It's the idea of adoration, devotion, and even worship. And so he says you ought to have this conversation with God, and what do you do in this conversation? In verse 18, he says prayer and supplication. The word supplication in the Greek is the word desire or need or concern. Desis in the Greek means prayer time arise from a sense of need. Get this, and knowing what is lacking in your life. What drives me to pray? I pray because I, I need to have this ongoing conversation, relationship building moment with God, but there are also needs in my life, those supplications. And then he says to pray in the spirit or to pray consistent with what Christ would want, his nature in, the, in his will. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in concert with the Spirit. And we're immediately reminded of, Romans, reminded of Romans 8, 26 and 27 that the Spirit who helps our weaknesses. For when we do not know what we ought to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then verse number 18, and being watchful to this end. The word watchful is literally without sleep, and so to be sleepless or to be awake or to chase sleep away. The present tense calls for this to be the believer's lifestyle, to be continually on standby alert as you pray. To keep your spiritual eyes open because we never know when the enemy is going to attack us. I, I read a story this week, and maybe you can relate, but early cowboys, when they were guarding a herd at night, would take drastic measures to keep alert and hold fast in their work. They would even rub, it's hard to say, tobacco juice in their eyes 
to stay awake when they were tired. They did it so they could be vigilant in, in guarding the safety of the cattle. And listen, that is the idea when Paul says in verse number 18 that we are to be watchful to this end. Sometimes we need to rub a little spiritual tobacco juice in our eyes. And then he says to pray with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Perseverance describes a steadfast, single-minded fidelity. It is faithfulness to a course of action. It describes an obstinate persistence, a keeping on task with devotion, a continuing with effort. It's steadfast, constant, diligent praying is what he's saying. And then he goes back to the word supplication, those urgent requests. But notice what he says. For all the saints. Hey, can I say this? All God's people need prayer. Say amen right there, right? Listen, can I say to you that if everything is going great in your life and you were to bow your head and say, well, Lord, I don't really have anything I need. I'm good all the way around. Can I suggest to you there is someone to your right or your left or in front or behind you that could desperately use your prayers on their behalf? And that's why Paul said that we want to be praying with supplications for ourselves, he says at the beginning of the verse. But at the end, he says, praying in supplication for all the saints. There are plenty of prayer needs around this. There are people all around you that are being attacked by our enemy even today. So that's one quick verse on prayer. But I want to take that one verse and I want us to dive in and I want to be as basic as I can today. And I want to tell us three things this verse tells us about prayer. Here they are. Number one, when to pray. When to pray. Paul doesn't mince any words when it comes to when we ought to pray. Now listen, follow me on this. We have plenty of examples in the Bible on when we should be praying. Get this. Psalm chapter 5 verse 3. Here's what the psalmist said. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning at noon, he will hear my voice. So, so far we've heard in the morning, morning, noon, and evening. Daniel 6, verse 10, it was said of Daniel that he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day. Acts 3, verse 1, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer early in the morning. Mark 135, it says about Jesus in the morning, get this, long before daylight, Jesus arose and went out and began to pray. Luke 516, it is said that Jesus himself would often, I love this, slip away to the wilderness and pray. I love that. He, he, he slipped away from everybody and all his needs just to pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it was talking about Jesus, that Jesus went to a mountain to pray. And get this, he spent the whole night, the whole night in prayer to God. I want to say there are a lot of good ideas and suggestions in there, but Paul gave a little bit different spin on it in Ephesians six eighteen, He said that we are to pray always. What do you mean by pray always, Paul? He means that whenever you have an opportunity to pray, Paul was letting us know that it's always a good time to pray. You say, should I pray in the morning? Yes, you should pray in the morning. Should I pray at noon? Yes, you should pray at noon. 
Should I pray in the evening? Yes, you should pray in the evening. Should I pray all night sometimes? Yes, you should pray all night. Listen, this world is filled with trouble. It is filled with anxiety. It is filled with heartache and sin and warfare. And it is always a good opportunity to stop and pray. You never know when you're going to find yourself in the midst of a temptation, an attack from the enemy, and it's best to stay on such familiar ground with God that you can get a prayer answered anytime. I don't have a lot of original sayings, but I'm going to give you one right now. So write it down. It's good. You don't want to have to make up when it's time to pray up. I should be on such a familiar territory with my Lord and Savior that when it's time for me to pray in the midst of heartache, that when it's time for me to pray in the midst of temptation, when it's time for me to pray at that right opportunity, I don't want to have to make up with God. No, you need to be ready to every opportunity to pray. You never know when you need to be ready, so you need to be ready all the time. Sherry got upset with me the other day. She didn't get upset with me much. Mostly sermon illustrations would be the most thing, but uh, she didn't get upset with me much. But we were on the way home. And keep in mind, I lived in Atlanta for eight years. We were in Chicago yesterday. My beautiful wife took me to Chicago for my 50th birthday, and, and we got up at 3.30. It's all a surprise. I didn't know we got up at 3.30 uh, uh, Friday morning. She flew me to Chicago, saw a Cubs game. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. And we were in Chicago, and we were flying back on the plane Saturday, yesterday, and there was this, these four couples from Chicago in front of us. They stood up to get their luggage, and, and, and it was hilarious. One of them said, they were talking about moving to Atlanta. One of them said, I'm just not moving to Atlanta. That traffic's too bad. Crazy drivers in Atlanta. And they're from Chicago where there's a murder on every street corner every day. But they'd rather be in a city where there's a murder on a street corner every day than fight the Atlanta traffic. And so I lived in Atlanta for eight years. Now I live in Ringo, Georgia. But I still have my Atlanta driving techniques down. <laughs> and so, look, you just have to forgive me. I don't want anybody in the church to get mad at me for my driving, all right? I told you there's a reason I don't put a fish on the back of my truck. There's a reason I don't put Peavine stickers on my truck except at Easter because I don't want God to get blamed for my crazy activity, right? But the other day I was driving home and uh, we, we were about to turn right on Highway 41 coming off Battlefield Parkway. About to turn right on Highway. It may have been you. Listen, it, it very well could have been you. My wife crawled under the seat. Because if it was you, on a right turn, the car in front of me stopped at a green light. Stopped at a green light. Some of you are like, what's the big deal? That is a big deal. So I flashed my lights at the car in front of me. And my wife said, oh, Joel, oh my word. She slunk down and said, she said, you can't do that. That should be a church member. That could be a church member. I said, well, if it's a church member, I'm going to have a talk with them when they pull over <laughs> and tell them it was a green light. That's not the worst. Sometimes in Atlanta, especially, I'd be going to the office, and there were several red lights that I would have to wait seven and eight and nine changes before I could get through the red light. Never failed. Never failed. Is one of those red lights that was only green for like 3.2 seconds. And there'd be somebody in front of me. I saw it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. 
and the light had turned green. Man, when the light turns green, you just got all got to go. It's like, it's like letting wild cattle out, man. You got to go. You got to go. You don't let anybody in. My wife lets people in. You don't let people in. <laughs> you should have pumped gas the night before. I'm not letting you in out of the gas station. Light, light turns green, and, and I, got, I, got, I got him on the phone. He's in front of me, and I see, his, I see his head down at his phone. Hey, dude, I only get three seconds to get through this red light, and I've been here for nine times, and if I had a gun, I'd go crazy right now anyway. I'm not a safe individual at this point in my life. Or the worst, the worst. Do I have an ink pen? Here's the worst. Here's the worst. Three seconds to get through that red light. There's so much I could say that would be inappropriate right now. Hey, lady, it ain't going to help. Just drive through, man. You're going to look as good. None of paint this world to make that look better. Just keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm aggravated. Here's why. Here's why. Listen, I got a small window of opportunity to get through that red light. Now, I want to tell you, sometimes in the Christian life, the green light of temptation comes on, the green light of warfare comes on, and with it, the green light of prayer comes on. Temptation is coming, warfare is here, the enemy is engaged. And listen, some of us are caught looking at our phones and uh, putting on mascara. And it's during those times that's not the time for that to happen. It's during those times you have to be ready. The opportunity to pray has arrived. And listen, I know you may have prayed this morning. I know you may have prayed last night. I know you may have prayed last week or sometime. But now it is urgent that you go to the Lord. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you ready at every opportunity to pray? Listen, when temptation comes, how much time would you have to spend catching up with God in order to get ready to pray? Is your prayer going to start off like this? Now, Lord, it's been a long time since we prayed. I know there's been a lot of sin going on in my life between now and my last tragedy. But, Lord, I come before you with another tragedy I need your help with. And let me, no, that's no way to pray before God. Does your prayer start off like this, dear Lord? My name is Joel. It's nice to meet you. Are you praying daily? Are you taking opportunities? Listen, that's one reason I love this prayer bracelet that we ask you to wear, that 1%. Man, this, this prayer bracelet's not only reminded me to pray throughout the day for, uh, for Peavine City, it's reminded me to pray all day long. And listen, that is the attitude Paul was saying, praying always. He doesn't mean walking around in prayer every minute of the day. He means that you ought to take these opportunities throughout the day to be ready to pray when the enemy is on the attack. That's when to pray. Number two, he talked about how to pray. Paul said in verse number 18 that we are to pray with prayers and supplication in the spirit. Now, there's about five things I want to point out there. He said, you're to have prayers. That's a conversation with Jesus. Spend time worshiping him. Supplication. 
That's praying for specific needs. In the spirit, that's praying according to his will. Then supplication for all the saints, that's the needs of those around you who are battling the enemy. And then perseverance, you got to keep at it all the time. Some of you are here today and you're struggling with prayer. And if you have a notebook out, if you have a pencil or a pen, let me tell you some things you ought to pray for. Here's how you pray every day. Number one, have a conversation with Jesus. You say, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk. Paul uses a word there that's basically have a conversation with Jesus. Talk to him about your life. Talk to him about the things going on in your life. Thank him for everything he does. Listen, I close out my daily prayer time, and I start back over the day before at midnight, and I just work my way backwards every day, thanking God for every part of the day that I was in before. Listen, you just have a conversation with God. You want to know how to pray? Here it is. Talk to God. Number two, pray for the needs of your life. Right? That's what the Lord's Prayer taught us. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for the daily needs in your life. You have special needs in your life every day. Pray for those. Pray for the temptations you're fa- facing. Pray for forgiveness of your sins. You need forgiveness every day. Pray for help. Pray for wisdom. You have needs in your life and take those before God. Number three, pray for the needs of others. And I told our staff the other day, Here's the truth, gentlemen, if you're you're not praying for your wife and kids, nobody probably is. Men, if you're not praying for your wife, do you know nobody probably is? Ladies, if you're not praying for your husband, you know no one probably is. You pray for your kids, you pray for your friends, you pray for your family, you pray, hey, pray for the preacher, I need all the prayer I can get. Pray for the staff, pray for the lost, pray for our government leaders. Lord knows they need it. Pray for the needs of others. Number four, when you pray, make sure you aren't violating God's will. That's what it means by praying in the spirit. You aren't violating God's will. You say, well, what violates God's will? Well, if you're praying prayers like this, Lord, I wish you would kill my enemy. That probably is a violation of God's will. If you're praying, Lord, help me to have a good divorce with my spouse so I can run off with this other fella or gal, that's against God's will. If your prayer is like this, Lord, I come before you today, and my heart is heavy. And Lord, my prayer is today that you'd help me rob this bank. I'm about to put the ski mask on and go in with it, and that's against God's will. Number five, keep at it. I'm going to tell you, that is prayer with perseverance. You say, well, God didn't answer my prayer yesterday. He may not. Just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And that's how simple prayer is. Have a conversation with Jesus. Pray for the needs in your life and pray for the needs of others. Listen, when you're in a battle, you don't have time for a complicated prayer plan. I always last, and I read a lot of books on prayer, but I read a lot of books and people write 400 pages on how to pray. Listen, God never intended for you to need to read 400 pages to pray. You pray for your uh, needs. You pray for others' needs. Have a conversation with Jesus. We are in warfare. Prayer doesn't need to be complicated. Listen, there's a saying in the military, in warfare, there is a direct correlation to the complexity of a plan and its failure. Many of you, we've almost lost the greatest generation, but many of you at least historically remember D-Day and World War II. D-Day was what really won the war for the good guys, the allied forces. It was named uh, 
planning for it. It was called Operation Overlord. It began in 1943 with Dwight D. Eisenhower, the Supreme Commander, but the British General Bernard Montgomery, who was the hero of the 8th Army in North Africa, was put in charge of the ground troops. It was the largest amphibious invasion in history. Operation Overlord. The code name for the five beaches they landed on were Utah, Omaha, Gold, Juno, and Sword. It was meant to happen on June 5th, 1944, but the weather was so bad, they delayed it a day, and it happened on June 6th. And there were more than 13,000 aircraft. There were more than 5,000 ships for the operation. On D-Day, there were 10,000 killed, wounded, and missing in action. Over 6,000 Americans, but the attack brought about a quick end to the German forces. But last year... The Historical Society released a copy of General Montgomery's war plans. Get this. General Montgomery, who was in charge of the ground troops for D-Day, had summarized the entire battle plan on one sheet of paper. Uh, sh- show us that. Put that picture up, guys. Of uh, there, there it is. There's the entire battle plan. General Montgomery, that's his own handwriting that he summarized on one sheet of paper. He said, we're going into the battle. It's the largest attack in in world history. More troops, more ships, more planes, more than ever in the history of the world. And he wanted to be able to summarize it on one sheet of paper. And here's what I want you to notice. Look down in the very bottom right-hand corner. You can't read it, but you'll see a word triple underlined. Here's what it says. The keynote of everything is simplicity. The keynote of everything is simplicity. And I want to say to you today, you are in a spiritual battle. Prayer is your supply line to heaven. And so here's what you need. If you hear me say anything today, how do I pray, preacher? Here's what you do. Keep it simple. Pray every time you have the opportunity. And don't worry about long, drawn-out prayers. God's got it. He understands Christ for help. You remember when Peter was walking on water and when he began to sink? The Bible says in Matthew 14, 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink and said, save me, Lord, he shouted. That was his prayer. Peter was going down in the water. And his only prayer was, save me, Lord. He didn't say this. Our Father in heaven and Christ his Son, creator of the aqueous substance in which I find myself drowning, Two particles hydrogen, one particles of oxygen, a glorious invention by the master inventor himself. No! Lord, save me. Help me. You want to know how to pray? Have a conversation with God. Ask him for your needs. Pray according to his will and just keep at it. Keep it simple. You are in a war. And finally, number three, he talked about when to pray and how to pray. And finally, number three, he talked about why to pray. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Being watchful, keep alert, be on the alert. It means to go without sleep. See, you have to be praying, Christian, because we are in the battle and we are on the front lines and we have to be alert in prayer and ready in prayer and vigilant in prayer. Why? Because the enemy, hey, close your Bibles and listen to me for a second because I want you to grab what I'm trying to say here. I'll be finished in, in, in literally just about four minutes. Here's here's why you always have to be on alert. Listen, here's why. The enemy is not going to announce his arrival. 
He is planning a sneak attack right now on your life. Get that? Right now in your life, the enemy is scheming to try to make me sin, to try to make you sin, to try to get you to fall, try to get me to fall. Right now. There are spiritual forces of darkness, meaning that are orchestrating a plan to take you down, ruin your testimony, to ruin your family, to ruin your walk with God. They are scheming it now, and he'll never announce, okay, the attack is coming on Monday. No, he's always changing the play. So you don't know what's coming in your life. You say, oh, preacher, I got this devil figured out. He comes at me the same way every time. Listen, about the time you think you got it figured out, the enemy will call an audible and you'll never see it coming. Last few days, the NFL draft has been going on. I don't know if you watch the NFL draft. It's one of the most amazing things all year. It's like a sporting event. But uh, quarterbacks in the NFL are a hot commodity. Teams struggle to find a good quarterback because only a few good quarterbacks in the NFL. One of the best NFL quarterbacks of all time played for the University of Tennessee, Peyton Manning. There it is. I said something good about Tennessee. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's let the moment savor for a moment for all you Tennessee fans. It has happened. It'll never happen again. <laughs> Peyton Manning was awesome, man. He played, won his last Super Bowl with his, basically his head falling off his neck in the last game for the Broncos. And Peyton Manning was famous for one word. As a matter of fact, it's the word, it's the last word he said in his retirement video, uh, retirement. Anyway. You may know what Peyton Manning word was famous for. Watch this. This is one game. Touchdown passes. Being Thomas. Most of it being Thomas. After, but instead, the ball is moved. Omaha. Omaha. The first two games. Peyton's right side. Omaha. 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 The Saints, Jimmy Graham, Mary, the Kilt Trip, Denver. That's one game. Did you know the city of Omaha actually gave him a key to the city when he retired? Omaha. They asked him at his press conference, what, what, what were you saying when you said Omaha? Here's all Omaha meant. Go with plan B. That's all it meant. Omaha, when Peyton Manning said Omaha, it meant the defense knows what plan A is, so I'm changing the play because they would call multiple plays in the huddle. They would say, scrap plan A. Omaha means we're going with plan B because they know what's coming. Can I say this to you? The enemy is yelling Omaha all the time in your life. You say, well, I think I've got this thing figured out. Yeah, and he's switching to whatever plan you don't have figured out yet. And so Paul said, here's why you need to pray. Because you need to be alert because prayer is the great equalizer. It will keep you prepared for whatever the enemy 
throws your way. Prayer is the very spiritual air that the soldier of Christ breathes. It is the all-pervasive strategy in which warfare is fought. And be ready to pray it all the time because the enemy is changing his plan regularly. Now, I want to be honest. He can hear me preach a sermon and, and try to guard you up for your Christian life. And the host of hell will say, hey, let's scrap that plan. Let's go with another one. Omaha, Omaha, plan B. And Paul said, so I can't tell you when the attack is coming. I can't tell you how the attack is coming. I can't tell you what kind of attack is coming. Here's what I'm telling you. Be on the alert in prayer. When do you pray? Every opportunity. How do you pray? Keep it as simple as you can. Why do you pray? Because the enemy is on the attack. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question this morning. Tell me about your prayer life. I mean, don't really tell me. But would you inspect your own prayer life for just a moment? Are you praying and spending time with God like you're in a spiritual battle? Are you praying and spending time with the Lord as if the enemy is coming after you? Hey, I'm afraid too many of us take it too casually. We take it not serious enough. And God is sending out a warning to you today. It's time to get serious about prayer. It's time to pray away. How are you doing? How many of you would be honest enough to say this morning, you're a believer, you're a Christian. How many of you would be honest enough to say, preacher, hey, the fact is, I'm probably lacking in this area of prayer just a little bit, and I need to step it up. In my relationship with God. If you'd just be bold enough to admit that, would you raise your hand, hold up for just a second? Just hold it up, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Oh man, all across the room. Thank you for your honesty. That takes that takes that takes spiritual fortitude to even raise your hand. But I'm gonna ask you to take a step further in just a minute because you need to come to the altar this morning. And you know what you need to do? You need to pray. You need to come to the altar, you need to have a conversation with God, you need to come to the altar and you need to pray for specific needs in your life. You need to come to the altar. There may be other people that you need to come pray for today and you haven't been praying for them as you ought to have been praying for them. Hey, and God this morning is saying, nope, right now. Right now. You're in a battle. It's time to pray. So I'm asking you to stand with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across the building. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.